How's everyone doing tonight? Well, good, good. Thank you. I want to talk to you tonight about dying next to revival. I'm going to talk to you about dying next to revival tonight. I know, it's an interesting thing. But I really feel like the Lord's speaking to me about revival, what that looks like. You know, it becomes dangerous is when you begin to read what happened in the first and second great awakening, when you read what pastors were doing before the Brownsville outpouring happened, when you read what was happening to people in the midst of God visiting places. How many want God to visit them? If we have five people that want that, that's okay. But I'm, I'm asking, <laughs> I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you to really ask the Lord to come and visit your life. Because here's what happens. When we come together and we have a hunger together that God would come and visit us, not just for an outpouring of manifestations, but an, an outpouring that would transform. God's going to do those things. So I'm just going to read a couple things. Actually, John Kilpatrick, I was reading some of his stuff and, and some of the things that he was saying. How many know who John Kilpatrick is? Okay, John Kilpatrick was the pastor of of the Brownsville Revival, which was the Assembly of God down in Pensacola, Florida, where the God poured out his spirit through Pastor John and uh, evangelist Steve Hill. And it went on for multiple years. It just kept going. And it was a revival that came. It was an Assembly of God church that God just came visited, visited. But John Kilpatrick attributed it to, and there was, there was thousands saved and touched and there were many that were released and healed and set free and delivered and a lot of people coming back to Christ and, and renewal and so many good things that happened. And his, his take on what happened was he prayed. And revival doesn't come unless we pray. And I'm not going to ask for hands, but all of us need a greater dimension in our prayer lives, not just to speak and declare our lists and do all the things that we think we need to do, but I, I'm telling you that God is looking for a, to over-answer a prayer. That's how John Kilpatrick put it. He said, revival is an over-answer to prayer. He said, we cry out for one thing, having some vague idea of what we think the answer should look like. Remember, revival is completely supernatural. God sends it. And anything sent from God's realm carries his DNA. Someone say amen. Because I don't want, what I don't want is something that's manifested from somewhere else, right? I don't want to try and copy something. And then he says, Paul reminds us that we serve the one who is able to do, one of my favorite scriptures, if not the favorite scripture, the one who is able to do far more abundantly beyond what we ask, we think, or imagine according to the, the work, the power that works within us. He's able to do way beyond because of the power and the grace that he's given us inside of us, right? And we can be right next to glory, revival, and awakening and die because we want to steady what God's doing. And I just want you to look at a scripture with me tonight, and we'll, we'll go there in a minute, but it's out of 2 Samuel 6. You can just go there. And I so feel like we're in a season where God's looking for people who will accommodate his presence. And there's something happening in the spirit, at least in my spirit, that I'm believing that he's going to come in such a way that I don't, I don't want to put my hands on it, right? And you don't want to put your hands on it. See, we have a preconceived idea of what, what it looks like when God shows up. Whether you've been in church a long time or not, 
you have, you have some type of, of thought on how God is going to show up. And I don't want to pray prayers to coerce God, or I don't want to pray prayers. I'm going to talk about desperation today because we want to be, I have to be desperate. I have to be intentional. I have to want God to come into my life in such a way. And when I'm talking about revival and I'm talking about awakening, it has to be personal first. I know I've preached a thousand messages this way. But I don't care. I'm going to say it again. It has to be personal. It can't be, and my prayer can't be, God, wake everyone else up. No, it has to be, God, wake me up. Because when I, it was like, I was reading about Wesley when he was lit, and this was what he said, just, I'll light on fire and people will come. And I was listening to all these, like, encounters that he'd go into small towns and he'd just begin to preach. And four or, pe four or five people would come out. And then next, there was hundreds. And next, there was thousands in fields. We visited a place yesterday that there was fields where God would just was pouring out his spirit in New Hampshire during the awakening. Right? It wasn't just one guy. We hear about certain guys that lit the fire of awakening that lit things in certain regions. But I'm telling you, God wants to light a fire in you so that you can touch heaven and heaven changes and transforms you. Some of you like playing around with the fire. Some of you like just being close to the fire. But there's no change. I'm going to say this some stuff today, okay? And I don't need to apologize, do I? I shouldn't have to. I'm telling you, we like playing around, and we like dipping in the water, and we like all the good things, but we don't want change. We don't want something to ignite us so that we're never the same again because that's dangerous. Right? And so God's looking for a people who are, are ready to accommodate a visitation of his glory because there's going to be a difference between it's not just going to be an anointing, right? Because there's a difference between the anointing and the glory of God. People carry anointings. There's so many charismatic figures that carry anointings and people are attracted to the anointing. But when the glory come, comes, everything changes. Are you hearing me? When God's presence and fire comes, everything changes. You can't stay the same. And so his glory will be in the midst, and, and no matter what it costs, right? Because you can't, you can't put a price on it. And no matter what, popularity, prominence, power, whatever it is, anything that's going to keep us from the presence. God not only wants to send a revival, he wants to send us. He wants us to receive the invitation that revival extends and makes appropriate adjustments to live out a whole new expression of Christianity. <laughs> Guys, when the fire of God comes to a church, when the fire of God comes to a region, it doesn't look the same. Right? See, all chain tame right now. But when God's spirit did just come here sovereignly, like we were praying out in front here, because the Lord just said, I, see, here's what happened today. I just had to, God speak one little thing, come out front and pray instead of in the background. Why? Because he wants to set something up in here. And so that when people come in, right, not that it can't happen if we're seeking the Lord in the back. There was just something significant about it, that the Lord wants to blow his wind and his fire and his glory in the door. So that when you come in, you get touched by the presence of God. There's people that walk in and out of here. They walk in with pain. They, they, they get healed in the middle of it. And then they'll leave and they got pain. So there's something about an atmosphere of presence. 
There's something about an atmosphere that changes and transforms. There's something that's going to change the molecular structure of who you are inside. Because the DNA of God's glory will come and touch your life. Here's the thing. Ready? Compromise unplugs prayers. Because when we ask and we seek and we knock and then we begin to compromise the first thing that we said. God, maybe you shouldn't come that strong. Maybe I don't want you in that part of my life. Maybe the fire of heaven shouldn't really be over there. And, and I'm going to deal with manifestations because we get all concerned about the manifestation. When God really wants to come and really manifest himself, just say, yes, God. And we'll clean up the mess after. I don't care about cleaning up messes. I do it all the time. You can't build unless you have a mess. You can't build unless things are all falling apart all over the place and you have a big mess. When we compromise our definition of revival, we're, we're essentially pulling the plug on our prayers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're removing the source of power and effectiveness. Listen, we have a preconceived idea of how God looks and what his manifestation on someone's life looks. Yet we're not willing to walk away from certain things that God will absolutely free us in a moment. Right? So let's just go to 2 Samuel, sorry. 2 Samuel, chapter 6. Preached a little on this before. Verse 5, I'm just going to do 5 through 7. It says that in David, all the house of Israel was celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put his hand out to the ark and took hold of it. For the oxen stumbled, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. So God, help us to understand, help us to see, Lord. Help us to look at principles and not get stuck on semantics. Lord, we ask that your presence would come in such a way tonight that we would be changed from our inner man out. I thank you that the kingdom comes on the inside out. We ask, Lord, that you just do that tonight. Lord, I thank you for the fire from heaven that comes. That when we ask, Lord, you respond. And so I pray for every heart tonight that, it would, that they would ask of the Lord. And you'd come and visit. So we thank you, God. And so I'm just looking at this, pas this passage. While it's not maybe prophetic in nature, there are principles that we see. And it's, it's a powerful principle of, of us grabbing a hold of the, the presence of God and stewarding it. Because here's what happened, right? They declared D David as king, right? And the Israel's king, and then the Philistines came up against him. Right? We know the whole picture. Chapter 5. They're coming up against him. And I'll just tell you that the king kingdom will not come unless we have contention. I'm sorry. It, it, there's a quote I read from... From Finney that said, if anyone thinks that revival comes without some type of tension or pushing or breakthrough, they're deceived. And I know, I know there's two things about when God shows up. One, it's sovereign. Two, we ask for it. Because someone had to ask for it. And so I'm asking for rain in the season of rain because I believe God is pouring out his spirit. I believe he's pouring out his spirit on all flesh, right? Like Joel, the promise that we have. Acts chapter 2. That if you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You just have to ask. It's not about hovering around people and trying to make them pray your prayer language. 
It's about God sovereignly, sovereignly coming to a hungry person. And he releases his presence because I'm so hungry, God. I need you so bad that I just want you to pour your spirit into me. Because I can't do and I can't live like, like life like I've always lived without you, without your presence. And we want it in moderation. But I'm telling you, God does not want to give it in moderation. He wants to give it in fullness. And so the, the Philistines, which, which speak of the five senses, speaks of the flesh, speaks of our natural mind. And they came and took the ark. <laughs> and then David goes up and the Lord gives him strategy and he wipes out the garrison and he gets the ark back. Come on, yay God. It was all divine it was all by divine design. And so they get the ark back, but then they're traveling with it. And they're not traveling like they've been told to travel with it. They're traveling in a different way. They got an oxen pulling it. And then Uzzah puts his hand out, which Uzzah means strong hand. And we want to put our strong hand on the presence of God, and we want to keep it at bay and try and move it to where we think it needs to be. Are you hearing me? There's a perfect picture in here tonight. And what I want us to do, I'm not saying don't think. I'm saying sometimes we just got to yield. And when you yield, you stop thinking in the natural. Because this is the biggest problem in every one of us, that we think in human terms, we think in natural, logical terms, and God's coming and he's saying, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it your way. I'm not going to have it your way. This isn't Burger King. It's God's glory. And he's coming in a way that we've never seen or heard of. I look at these revivals and I'm like, wow, this gives me great faith. And it's also dangerous because I want to believe for higher things where people... I'm going to read some encounters that, that some of the old revivalists had, that Wesley had, that Jonathan... Edwards had that people that were moving in the true fullness of awakening experienced and saw. And it was a mess, guys. So we need to ask the Lord. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, show us how to steward because I'm not, I'm not prophesying something that's afar off. I'm prophesying something that's already in our midst. It's just we, we pray like Ezra prayed. Give us a measure. Just give us a measure of revival. I don't want a measure. I want everything. And I've had people come to me and say, I saw people all strewn out all over in the green. Multitudes out there. Can you believe that? Can we believe that God will come and there just be a sovereign move just here? <laughs> In the middle of nowhere. Where do you think they were in like... When the, when the previous awakenings happened. They were in fields. They were in nowhere land. Like God drew people because he was wanting to change society, change culture, change everyone, not just one or two, he wanted to change the multitudes, but it starts here, right, goes back to me, I need you to come God, I need you to get in my inner man and I need the fire of God to set me ablaze so I cannot control myself, oh. So God is God and he moves on his own terms. He involves us, yes. He'll allow us to like steward things, right? He's going to give us that because he wants man. He said, I give him man to like help what I'm doing, right? That's what the whole idea of Adam. Authority. 
moving in, in authority given to us, right? And we, are, we co-labor with him, right? We're joining us with Christ. And we're friends, and, the, and, and that's all true. But at the end of the day, we got to go back to Isaiah 57, that I, it says, I am God, and I do whatever I want. I do whatever I want. I don't think we like that. Because humanity likes to be in control, especially when we're separated from God. And see, what's going to happen is when we allow him to come in, there's going to be this amazing divine union that you experience that you can never experience when you're half in and half out. Or when you're three quarters in and three, a quarter out. Or seven eighths in and an eighth out. want whatever he wants. And his definition of revival must be mine. <laughs> so where am I going to find that? I'm going to find that in history, and I'm going to find it in the Bible, right? And so I can't be tempted to adjust my theology on what I know in my humanity, right? And so... I don't want, I want to embrace God on his terms and not mine. And I want you all to do the same. Because if we all seek, right, if we all believe and seek and ask, the promise is this, that if I seek and I ask and I knock, that he's going to answer, he's going to open. And he's going to bring it. So for some reason we get stuck. I don't have time. I do it. Come on. I'm, I'm preaching myself down to you. Sometimes we don't have time. There's all kinds of, you know, scenarios of why I can't. But I have to say that none of them are good. I don't have a single, I don't have one single thing that I can say that is a legitimate excuse of why I don't find God in the fullness of who he is. And that he'd just drench me with his presence, that I would never be the same that I wouldn't be able to shut my mouth, that I wouldn't be able to not lay hands on the sick, that I wouldn't be able to touch someone and let the release of who he is through me come out and touch someone else. So what kills revival? What kills a move of God in your life? What kills God from actually doing the deep work? It's our stewardship. It's our stewardship with our time. And I just touched on that, but it's the stewardship of the, what we do with what we have. I read that verse for the offering, but it has everything to do with this message today. And that is, God wants to give you pressed down, shaken together, running over. And he wants to give you more than what you've ever asked or thought or imagined for. But we still settle for the little piece. We still settle for something smaller than what he wants to bring. And I feel like the fact that we don't really, no one, we don't experience the, the fullness of who he is is because we've never really touched the reality of revival and what it looks like once. Because I guarantee you if you tasted it once, you'd never go back. And so we have Genesis 1, chapter 2, which I'm just going to touch quickly. And it says this, that the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the earth. Or hovering over the waters, right? And it says, next verse says this, God said, let there be light. And so the Holy Spirit's looking to brood over a community, over a church, over a region. And he's looking for a man or a woman who will say what God's saying and embrace it. And embrace what he's doing. And so he was present in the movement, right? As he was brooding over the waters. But what did he need? He needed a word to be creative. And God wants to be very creative in your life. And so you just need to what? Speak a word to him. You're saying, who am I, God? No. 
But God, the Holy Spirit's inside of you, is he not? The Spirit of God lives inside of us, and when he lives inside of us, we speak the words. Your words are powerful. You create or you destroy. And the things that we speak will either give life or they will give death. And God wants to bring a lot of life to you, more than you thought, asked, or imagined. So this is how the Trinity operates because they're in unity. And so what happens is this. I'm going to talk to you about being a good steward because you have unity and you're synchronized with the, God, with the Godhead. You become one. See, the Spirit will move wherever the people are thinking, saying, moving in alignment. If we listen to what God says, it's like tonight, you know, when I, I've just had a little instruction to pray right in this circle right here. It may be a little insignificant thing, but I can't risk that it, if I, oh, I'm disobedient and I pray in the back room with the group, that if I don't obey that, that whatever God's going to do, I might miss. And in the midst of that, we got warfare going on in the room. Do you know that? funny, I was talking about an interview with, with Mel Gibson, right, talking about the, the new movie he's going to put out, and he's sitting on Stephen Colbert's set, and he's in front of all of America, and he says, we're going to talk about things that, like, what's going on in this room that we can't see? All of the demons and all the angels and all the things that are going on in the room. There's tons of things going on in this room right now. Things that are trying to affect your mind, things that are trying to have influence over you. There's all kinds of things. But there's angels that are smacking them out of the way. Because I have a lot of angels that, come on, I do. You do too. There's a lot of spiritual activity. But if you don't believe that, then you start going back to the Philistine, Philistine thinking. Come on, he pulled what was God's away from the flesh? And he put it down the road. Ended up in Obed-Edom's Obed house. Right? So God wants us to move in this way. He said, Jesus said, I do whatever I see the Father do. And so we need to synchronize our lives with heaven and what heaven's saying when it's being displayed. Well, how do I get that? You pray. Oh, my goodness. That should be a revelation to someone in this room. I pray. And I keep praying. And I pray some more. And when I don't really get breakthrough like I think I need, I don't give up and I don't quit. I just keep going. And I keep plowing. Because some of us like to sit back and it's not happening it's not working. That's what happens. We get discouraged. We get kicked back. We get kickback. Well, man, it ain't working out. Everything I thought it was supposed to be, it really isn't. Oh, you mean I got to get up and pray? Are you, are you serious? And I'm not talking about works, guys, because I don't want, I, but there has to be some desperation there has to be some type of urgency. It's crazy. I heard that, that when Wesley preached his message when he was 32 years old, the last message he preached that he wrote, and he lived to be like almost, I think, almost 90 years old. He didn't use, me he didn't use one piece of paper. He didn't write any script. He didn't use, I mean, he had his Bible, I'm sure. But he preached to the masses, and people getting saved and screaming and crying and carrying on. And it was God. And only God. Through a man who totally yielded. I can't wait to meet all these dudes in the great trial of witnesses. I'm going to ask for that now. Come on, where's your faith? Oh, no? Watch me. 
just perceive their thoughts. Anyway, he simply needs, he <laughs> Second Samuel, chapter 6, shows us a very important principle of how serious it is for us to keep our hands off of the move of God. We'll pastor it. We'll keep it on course. We need to assume leadership in the season. I'm telling you, it's not something that might happen, but something that's going to happen. It's something that has to happen. Right, Josiah? Josiah. I got a little one and a big one. So you can't cry out for revival. God revived me to touch my life, change my life on your terms. Can't do it on my terms. Gotta do it on his terms. For what he wants. God looks to see how people respond to the move of the presence of God. Do you believe that? See, if I respond when God, this is so important. Ready? This is so important. This is very, very important. How many are listening to me? Okay, my hand went up. This is so important. When the Holy Spirit is calling you to move aside and go be with him, or he says to do something little and you think it's just insignificant, if he's convicting you of something and you don't respond, guess what happens? If I'm convicted and I don't respond, I won't be set free. If I'm, if I'm in this place where, where I think it's okay, I don't need to do it right now, when the Holy Spirit's saying, come, I'm telling you right now, all, all the Holy Spirit did to me like last week was just turn, turn into me. That's all he said. Just turn into me. And I get Jesus in full color in front of me and speak, you know, just sitting next to me. Paul, did you really see him? Well, what does it matter? I felt the tangible presence of God, so I'm going to say yes. He physically came into my room and, and encountered me. He encountered me. Because he wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. Holy Spirit wants to be with you. He wants to live with you. Not just a part-time tenant. I'm serious. All this stuff, right, we think he, we can turn him on, turn him off. And he wants full access to you. You've been given full access, but he wants full access to you. So will we embrace him with everything that comes with that? Because when we do that, we're not steady in the cart. It's weird, because I think about that whole scenario, and I'm thinking, well, God, he just didn't want it to hit the ground. Why'd you kill him? Because his way's not our ways. And his ways are higher than our ways. And so what I think is protecting something, or protecting people, or protecting something, or trying, I'm trying to make sure everything's going to be all right for everyone around me, listen, you're better off not thinking about everyone around you. I'm not saying be, if God's on you, you're going to touch everyone who you need to touch. If his anointing's on your life, you don't need to try and control how God moves out of you. You don't need to have to control how he shows up in church. I'm not going to control. People get freaked out. You know what people get freaked out about here? The laying on of hands. Let me just break that right now. Oh, they lay hands on each other. There's a thing called impartation. There's a thing called healing. And people get freaked out like, but the only place that we get instruction of not quickly, because Paul says, don't suddenly lay hands on someone. Ready? I'm going to fix your thinking. Because it's about ordination. That's what we're not supposed to do, is quickly lay hands on one another for ordination. 
because you need to know those who labor among you. Eh, got it? Seriously. Because we have this idea, oh, man, I'm getting their demons on me or something. Something's going on. Listen, the spirit of God inside of you, and I do believe that you can get transferred stuff, but I think this, I think that if the power of God in your heart is pure and you're trying to get touched by God, that nothing, nothing, and we don't let like weird stuff happen like everyone's all over the place in here anyway. But I'm just saying, people get weird like, oh, they lay hands on people all the time. Well, no one else is. I'm meaning like other churches are not really doing prayer ministry, which I don't know how you function. People need prayer. They need people believing God to touch and connect with them. And that's just simple. Like God didn't show up in a demon's manifesting on the ground. All my places I wasn't even going to go. But the reality is when God shows up and say someone's shaking or laughing like, you know, people freaked out because we had someone laughing like a crazy person over there one time. And I'm like, man, she needed joy. I don't care what it looks like. If you can't handle it, I'm sorry for you. Not for me. I want God to come in and I'd like him to hit the whole body with joy. Because the thing is, we don't have enough joy. No, we look like we've been baptized in pickle juice instead of being baptized in the joy of the Lord. No, how do you get, how do you get people to come to Christ when you're like, man, you, you, do you want to meet Jesus? You need the joy of the Lord to be your strength. I'm telling you. And people get so intense. It's like, just be, just have life, just... You have something inside of you that everyone else needs. It shouldn't be critical mass. And when joy comes and hits people and they begin to laugh or roll or rumble or growl, I don't know if they're growling, someone better, Joe, help us. But people need to come to church to get free. So if demons are manifesting, it says this, that the finger of God, that the kingdom has arrived. Hello. Not in the front row. I know, I'm being sarcastic, I'm sorry. I won't be sarcastic, I try not to be. You understand where I'm at? Because God wants to fill us. In such a way. And so when there's things that are getting in the way because we don't think, come on, we think we know what we're thinking and we think it's right. And God's trying to tear down our thinking to stop trying to steady the presence. I got to steady what's going on in here. I got to get control, Pastor. And I believe in order, but I'm going to take care of that after. Everything must be done decently in order. It's scripture, but I'm going to look at that in a more. I'm not just ahead of myself. Sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, yeah, it's right here. We're out of order. <laughs> I don't care if I'm out of order, guys. I don't care if it gets out of order. I want it to be out of order if that's what God wants. If God wants that. Does the out of order mean that it's God? Uh-uh. But if it is out of order and we're trying to steward it and there's going to be messes and I can't throw it all out, I won't throw it all out. You hear me? Don't be afraid. But I believe God's looking for someone who will steward what's happening. So if that offends you, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize for that. But if, if God comes in, and he has to do things, and he wants to transform people, and it gets messy, and it gets ugly, and you got drug addicts that are acting crazy. Come on. I can't always be clean. What does it say about the anointing? Something, you know, in the oxen's stall, there's a mess. It's just there's a mess. 
So Paul reminds the church, right, here we go. I'm going to go after it. Right? We're going to change our thinking. 1 Corinthians 14.40, at the end of the chapter, at the very end of the chapter, where he's talking about the operation of the gifts in the Corinthian church, which the Corinthian church was a crazy, gifted church. We don't have that problem right here. We do, you just all don't say nothing or do nothing. Oh, I'm not making you feel bad, am I? No. I'm just talking about manifestations in the midst of a corporate setting. I didn't beat anyone up with that, I hope. It says this in 1440, it says, do everything... All things should be done decently and in order. What is it talking about? Here's the problem. Ready? I'll talk about the culture first. First of all, and I've done this before, but the women sat on one side and the men sat on the other. Because in synagogue, that's what they did. And what was happening is I think the ladies, I read some of this in some of the, some of the teachings, was that this, the ladies were asking questions across the aisle. And the men were saying, Psst, not here, not now. Or they, maybe, they were, maybe they were answering the question. But the other thing was mainly this that Paul was addressing. There was so much gifting. There was so much prophecy. There was so much interpretation of tongues going on that it was a little bit out of control. Are you hearing me? How many want the gift of prophecy? Paul says we all should prophesy. Paul said two or three, or whatever's in, he didn't even leave it at two or three. He left it at whatever's in order. This is why it was called order. Because the gifts of the Spirit were moving in such a way. It wasn't about someone manifesting a demon in the middle of the city square. It wasn't about someone getting healed and falling over or, or chairs getting blown out because people were getting hit by the Spirit of God. It wasn't talking about any of that. It was talking about utterance gifts. Decently and in order. Okay? You can look for it yourself. The question at the end of the day is what kind of fruit there is. Because the main thing is about transformation. So I don't care. It's like the Bible says. We can prophesy till the cows come home. But if there's not love and the people aren't transformed, then it's all for naught. And so here's the issue. When God comes and he shows up and people begin to scream and carry on because the fire of God hits them, are you going to be okay? I'm, I'm asking. That's a legitimate question. Are you going to be okay if 15 people in this room all of a sudden, because it wasn't just one. In the Great Awakening, it was fields of people like, ah, God, what are you doing? Ah, and we get scared by that stuff today. But see, some of you aren't comfortable with God coming that way, see? See? Oh, it doesn't have to be in front of everyone. Yes, why not? We're all here together in community. I don't care what it looks like. And if you get wiped out by God, good. That's what we're here for. But instead, we just go in have a nice message, we leave. Not here, necessarily, I'm not saying. <laughs> sorry, I know. That was sarcasm again, I'm sorry. I need to get delivered from the spirit of sarcasm. But what's the fruit? God really wants to touch us. And he really wants us to change. And he really wants the zone of the Holy Ghost in this place in places that we go, any place we go. I don't care if you go to another church somewhere else. That's why when you look at like the charismatic renewal era, I mean, God just began to wipe out every denomination. He didn't care. That's why the Jesus movement, all these stinky hippies got saved. Because he didn't care. He wanted the addicted LSD dudes. Right? Come on. Like, I don't know about you, but my background is that. 
You know, I wasn't, I wasn't a hippie, but I was messed up. I needed deliverance. I needed God to set me free. I was messed up on drugs, alcohol, everything, pornography, all the things, right? And God comes and sets you free. So we don't, we got to allow him to come in and continue to eradicate whatever's in the way. Not just so that we're, come on, that you can't stay in here. So if we radically transformed by a supernatural touch of God, then what does it matter what it looks like? That's what I'm getting at. Right? I'm talking about manifestation. I'm talking about God showing up and things getting real messy. But don't be afraid. <laughs> oh, boy. Some of, I just had this picture of people with, like, <laughs> I don't know why it happened. I'll just say it. I just had this picture of people it, right here. It must be here, right? But people's like had this like belt across their chest with a lock. And so we need that needs to go. Because not me, not now. Uh, I'm okay. You might be okay, but you haven't allowed some things in that God wants to get. Right? So take the padlock off and whip the belt. But we need to pray for that tonight. Right? Because if you're in that place with I'm okay to a certain point, but God, I don't think I want to let you in there. So here's a good, I'm just going to read this. This is George Whitfield describes the instance for where, where he's preaching in Edinburgh, Scotland, 1742, okay? Such a, it says, such a commotion was surely never heard of, especially about 11 o'clock at night. Ha <laughs> ha, they had a revival at 11 o'clock. I didn't read that before. It was, if Pharaoh did anything I ever saw in America, right? So he had been in America and the awakening was already ablaze. He goes back to Scotland, right? And here's what's going on. So after about a half an hour, an hour and a half, there was such weeping and so many uh, felling into deep distress and the manifest of various ways. That description is impossible. So he couldn't even describe what was happening. Are you hearing me? And we want to be tame. These people seem to be smitten and scored. So it wasn't just one. So what's going to happen when just, maybe I'll just leave it to myself. And then you guys have no choice. until Because if you walk in the door, right, can I do it on my own? No, I can't. I got to let God come. But I can do it by myself. If I have to. I was wondering, I'm like, God, do I need everyone to come? to like grab hold of this and go for it with me or can I just do it on my own? Because I think if one person just yields themselves enough to God, something crazy can happen. Something that will set the world free. Because they ended up going all over the globe because they were touched by the fire of heaven. And it wasn't anything else. It wasn't their eloquent, eloquent speech because Wesley testified to that. He said, it wasn't me. It was the power of God. It was just like Paul said. So it says that the people seemed to be smitten in scores and they were carried off and brought into the houses like wounded soldiers taken off from a battlefield. <laughs> Their agonies and cries were deeply affecting. Here's what I believe. Ready? Here's what I believe. I believe you could be smitten worse. I believe I'm, I'm going to believe for this and then a healing revival on top of it and a mass deliverance ministry. Right? If we don't want to believe, come on. I mean, I, and, and here I go putting God in the box. I don't think that's a box. I think God just go. Go, God, and just let, me, let us witness what's happening. And let us be partakers of what you're doing.
Because we're supposed to be a partakers of the divine nature. We're supposed to be partakers of what he has already given to us. We're supposed to live out of a life with him that releases the captives, right? He said, Jesus, you get the same anointing as Jesus, the, the one that came, and he said, I was anointed, and the Spirit of God was upon me. What? To, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free, to, to recover your sight to the blind. And I believe that's for whosoever wants it. And if you're blind, you ask for it. And if you, and if you need to be set free on the inside, you ask for it. And so... John Wesley, ready? Founder of Methodism. And he was like, the, like one of the, the spearhead of the itinerant evangelists. And he had an army of evangelists that just went out. They went all over the place, all over the nations. It was all over Europe and all over America, right? He says this. Often pre says he often preached to over 5,000 people during, seven, during his 7 a.m. Sunday morning service. 5,000. That's without one of these. What did he have? They didn't have this. How do you think he get, how do you think people in the back heard? Just say it, one word, supernatural. A megaphone was in his voice box that just released the word of God and it's strewn over people, right? So Sunday morning service, revival historian Wesley Adul describes the scene of Wesley's church service in the following terms. Well-dressed, mature people <laughs> suddenly cried out with agonies of death. It's kind of graphic. But both men and women outside and inside the church building were trembling and sinking into the ground. They were just, no more strength, getting wiped out by the presence of God. Right? And so we don't want to be those that die. Right? I don't want to be dying next to revival, right? When we try to steady, when we try to, we run the risk of missing the revival and the glorious plans that God has for the church at large. It's, it's regional, it's national, come on, it's international. It'll go as far as you can believe. I just wrote this down. I said, Scripture doesn't reveal anything about Uzziah's intentions for studying the ark, nor do we draw meaning. It's not, not revealed. It's not revealed. All we know is it had dramatic consequences. The Bible says he died. That was Old Testament. That was the ark. But here's the thing. God wants to come and release something to us that's supernatural, right? In 1 Corinthians 2, 2 chapter, chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, And when I came to you, brothers, I didn't come proclaiming to you a testimony with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except for Christ Jesus, Him crucified. And as with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and in power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. And where does your faith rest? I'm going to ask you tonight. Where does your faith rest? Because we've been taught all kinds of things and we rest our thinking in the teaching. When we don't allow God to come in and give us life and life more abundantly in our thinking. Because God wants to do something creative in that, right? And so this... This is what I'm talking about. When he spoke through Wesley, when he spoke through Whitfield, I know I'm going to yesteryears, but I'm not even talking about God bringing that back. I'm talking about God now, outpouring now, what it looks like, how you're going to respond, what are you going to do when God comes to you. Because it's not like, will he? No, he wants to. I promise you he wants to. I promise you he will if we just learn to open our hearts to such an extent that the power of God and the presence just comes and invades us, right? And so we don't want to think of it, but they did. They, I, I believe this, and it says this in history, that they didn't want people climbing into the trees. 
They didn't want them climbing in the trees. Why? Because they'd get hit with the power of God and fall out of the trees. No, that's the reason. They would discourage, don't go in the trees during the revival meetings. Because you don't know what's going to happen. And it happened. People falling out. Poof. 12, 14 feet in the air. Poof. Then you got to you know, raise the dead and heal bones and all that stuff. Right? Another, another quote from John Kilpatrick. I got a lot of history. Modern and old, right? In order to accommodate revival, we need to be willing to move beyond comfortable and familiar. We need to be willing. The Holy Spirit wants to move in every single church community in the world. This is a fact. The reason he does not is because, of the, because many of these communities are unwilling to host him and cater to his presence. What does catering to his presence look like? Every one of us need to give God a complete place where he can rest in our lives. Because I'm telling you, when he comes to rest, when he comes to just the weight and the glory, I'm going to talk about the glory for a moment, but the glory of God, when the glory of God comes, it invades you with the weight of who he is. And so we need to allow him to do that. Revival happens when we can feel the weighty atmosphere of God's presence. Ready? Duncan Campbell, who was an apostolic guy, it said, defines the measure of glory as a community saturated with God. What does glory look like? It looks like you've been saturated with God. Who do I want to make comfortable? Who do you want to make comfortable? You make yourself comfortable? Comfortable with your life? Or do I want to make people comfortable in this church? I don't think so. So I'm asking you guys to just pray and believe with me. It's kind of like my heart is just to see God's outpouring in the region, in all of us. But my, it's mainly about transformation in each one of you. Are you hearing me? That God wants to bring a transformation into your life. And so who do you want to please? We went over this a few weeks ago. When the apostles were questioned after miracles began to happen and all kinds of manifestations of God's presence began to erupt in the streets and thousands began to get saved. And the apostles came up with one question. Do I listen to you or do I listen to God? And God wants to get a hold of us. And so how we answer these questions are absolutely paramount to where we go in the future. And I know I bring this challenge over and over sometimes, but I'm, I'm bringing it like tonight with a weight and a, and a release because I'm, I'm like to the point of I want to be, I want to ask the Lord, God, can you just come? Because I'm just sick and tired of familiar. I love everyone in this place, right? But I want to see your lives invaded. That there's no unforgiveness. There's no thing that, there's not one thing that keeps you out of the presence of God. There's not one issue, no, not sin issue. We can say the word sin and be okay, right? Because God wants to eradicate it. And you are righteous. You're already righteous. It's not about an identity issue. It's about we forget who we are. And we forget who God created us to be. And we want to live outside of that. And we want everything to be okay. And, and I have a good life. And I have a good church. And, and everything is just fine. 
But at the end of the day, if God doesn't show up in fire and if he doesn't come to us with the bang and the awe, I'm sorry. Because what I see in awakening is not like... They had 5,000 people. It wasn't seeker-friendly, guys. I didn't have, they didn't have to make everyone feel comfortable. As a matter of fact, when God shows up, you shouldn't feel comfortable. As a matter of fact, when I've met with God certain times and he showed up into my room, I've been scared and I want to climb under the couch or I want to climb under the bed. When the real presence and the glory of God comes, everyone's not going to be going, we're going to all hit the deck. And it's going to be a good thing. I'm not preaching sinners in the hands of an angry God because he's not angry. He's so good when you come into encounter him in that way, it's going to just wipe you out. But the problem is we don't even know how good he is. We don't even know how drastically he wants to come and invade our lives just to, for transformation. Just because he loves us so much. Just because the power of heaven's available to you and to me and we get to we get to participate with him. There's such a life we're outside of. Me. I'm standing here preaching this, but it's me too. So I'm not saying I got it all together by no means. I'm the chief one that needs it. Because I got all you that once revival hits and God begins to fill this place and we're out the door. And we have to find a new venue. so much that God wants to release. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to do it myself tonight. But I'm going to ask the Lord just to come. And listen, guys, you can't just, you can't just be content. I know. The Bible says be content in all things. I know. But you got to be desperate. And God comes to the desperate. I'm telling you, he always, he always, he always, as Psalm, the psalmist said, or Isaiah said, that he, he will bring rain to the dry land. And I don't want to go into a season of dryness. That's why I said the first scripture I touched tonight was about ask him for rain in the season where it's already raining. God's moving in my life. Good! You need more. I need more. God's amazing. He's doing amazing things. I had an amazing week, amazing weekend. It was just God showing up everywhere. But I need him more than when I started the message. such a desperation and not a striving guys, I'm not talking, I always have to correct myself with the non-striving method I don't want you to strive, it's just about God, I need you and it's about turning yourself in and turning yourself in and when I say that, I mean you just turn your inner man into God's presence because he's already inside of you and when we turn into his presence something amazing happens he begins to invade your whole entire being. Because he's on the inside. He's on your spirit, man. And he wants to invade every part of you. And he wants to take your mind. And he wants to change your mind. And he wants to change your heart. And he wants to break any stoniness in the heart. And he wants to remove anything that's keeping you on the outside. So much life. So I prophesy life. I ask God tonight that you just release the fire from heaven. God, that only you can bring and only desperate people can receive. Only desperate people.
I thank you for an invasion. I thank you tonight for a great, great invasion. A glory invasion. Lord, I ask that you put your weight on us individually. And that it wouldn't just be tonight. That, Lord, when you speak to us every, every day, every waking moment, God, when you speak to us to turn aside and to go to you, Lord, we would obey at every moment. Every moment. Because I'm telling you guys, when we do it every moment, it comes stronger and stronger and stronger. And there's nothing. You don't even miss. The Holy Spirit's inside of you and he continues to get filled and filled and filled. So, Lord, pour out the rain today. Pour it out tonight. I thank you for the love and the presence and who you are. But, Lord, I'm asking for rain in the season of